Hey, y'all ready for God's word today? Six months ago, God spoke a word into my heart, which is really early for me. I, I do often will get ideas and sermon series that far in advance, sometimes even farther, but a specific word for you this weekend. And, and so I've been meditating on it and thinking about it. And it was this word called the word resilient. Resilient. Like, I felt like the Lord said, I want you to teach my people how to be resilient. I'm like, Lord, I, I got to even look that up. I got to know what that word even means exactly. I think I know what it means, but it means this, able to withstand or recover quickly from difficult conditions. I thought, man, Lord, that's, that's going to be great because I can think of no better time to start that than on Easter because you were resilient. You withstood and you recovered quickly from a seriously difficult condition. Come on, somebody. Amen to that, right? So... So the, the theme verse that's my heart for you, for, to start today and over really the next few weeks, I want to share with you how the Lord teaches us how to be like him, how to be resilient, is out of Hebrews chapter 12 in the message. It, it says it like this, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. And this is the part that we're going to do. Study how he did it. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. That's resilient. He could put up with anything along the way. How many of you say, I want to be resilient, right? I want to be able to put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. Say whatever. I know there's some serious whatevers that are going on in the room right now. So whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. So you say, well, okay, that's great for Jesus. He overcame, but how does that relate to me? Well, Romans chapter eight says this. Romans eight verse 11 says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So in other words, Jesus is saying, listen, I wasn't just resilient for myself. He didn't raise from the dead just for himself, but he did it for you and I. You know, this week, the world watched as the famed ancient cathedral, the Notre Dame, which is 856 years old, first constructed in 1163. The world watched as it burned, as it was on fire. And then I saw this picture posted on, on some news channel and, and even social media that I thought, what a picture of resilience. Look at what survived in the middle of the fire. The golden cross stands unscathed. Yeah, come on, you can give God praise. Unscathed in the middle of it. So my, my thought for you is this, that, that you can rebuild. And my big idea for you that is that you can bounce back from whatever has pushed you back. That the Lord, he went through all of this to be an example and to study how he did it. So we could see, okay, Lord, you, you did this for me. I want to learn from you so I can, I can go through whatever life brings my way. And I can bounce back from whatever has pushed me back. I think about Friday for Jesus. I think Jesus was on the cross on Friday. And he died in the middle of the day, gave up his spirit. And right before he did, these were his last words that he uttered. He said, it is finished. I thought, Lord, if you said it's finished on Friday, then why do we need Sunday? It's finished. You did it. Well, I think there's a couple reasons, but I think one of, and probably several more, but 
one that's very significant for us today, and it's this. The reason there's Sunday is because it proves to all of us that he is who he said he was. He is who he declared himself to be. So who is this resilient Jesus? Who is this Jesus that said it's finished on Friday, but yet on Sunday he rose from the grave? I'll tell you who this resilient Jesus is. I can, I can only begin to tell you about him today, but I'll just tell you this much about him. He's all-powerful. He's stronger than death. He's stronger than hell. He's stronger than the grave. He's stronger than the shame. He's stronger than the cross. He's all-powerful. He's bigger than it all. Colossians says it like this in chapter 1 out of the message in verse 16. It says, for everything, absolutely everything, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there. Jesus was there before any of it came into existence, and he holds it all together right up to this moment. Jesus is holding your life together right up to this moment because he's all-powerful. One of my favorite statements of Jesus actually is found in the book of Revelation speaking of his power, and this, I, it may not be funny to you at, at first glance, but it is to me, and, it's, and I'll tell you why. In Revelation chapter one, Jesus says this. He, says, he said, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Now, pause there for just a minute. I want you to notice that death is swallowed up with life on both ends. He goes, he didn't start with, I'm the one who died, you know, Eeyore. He's like, he's like listen, I'm who lives. Yeah, I was dead. But behold, I'm alive forevermore. Now, I ain't going to die again. You, you and me, listen, right now we may be in this, this season of where we feel like, man, I'm in Friday right now. I, I, I'm between Friday and Sunday. I, 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 here, listen, wherever you're in right now is going to be swallowed up with life on either end as you put your life in his hands. Now, Jesus says, I'm who lives uh, and was dead and I'm alive forevermore. And then he just amens himself. He goes, amen. I love that. That's why preachers often will be like, come on, help me preach today or whatever, you know, and say amen. Hey, Jesus did it. So we're like, we got, we got an example from the Lord. And then he says this, and I have the keys of Hades and of death. That's hell and the grave. And so the part that just kind of makes me smile is that the devil doesn't even have the keys to his own house. <laughs> Jesus took the keys. And what, is, what does he mean by that? He says this, no one has to go here if they don't want to. I own the keys to this to set everyone free from all, every sin they've ever committed. He is all powerful. Tell somebody around you, he's all powerful. He is all powerful. And then, something else about this resilient Jesus. He is full of wisdom. And here's why I say that on Easter Sunday morning. Because how many of you would agree with me that the devil must not have seen the resurrection coming. Right? I don't think he would have stirred up Peter to go to sleep. I don't think he would have stirred up Judas to betray him. I don't think he would have stirred up the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious people of the day to mock him. I don't think he would have stirred up the soldiers to crucify him. He just ain't as smart as he would like us to believe that he is. Because in the middle of all that was going on, on Friday, when the devil was mocking and he was laughing, Jesus knew something in the back of his mind. I'm coming back. This is not the end. This is just the beginning. He's full 
of wisdom. Romans chapter 11 says, oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. You want to know why that's important? Because there are seasons you and I go through that feel like Friday afternoon where it gets dark and we, we, can't, we, we don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't, I don't know why I go through what I go through at times. I don't know why you go through what you go through at times. But can I just give you a little hint? Here's what I do. I, I discipline myself to not ask why. I just tell myself, don't ask why, because you're never going to like the answer anyway. And you'll never be satisfied. But I know this. Here's the question I ask. What now? What now? Come on, Jesus. There, there's some. You're so smart. You can never. Listen, he's a way better chess player than the devil. You think the devil goes, checkmate. And God's like, nah, not even close. He's always got another move. He's always got another move. You, I know that you're in a church today. You may be not used to people saying stuff to each other. But just one more time and then I won't do it again. Just tell them, God's always got another move. <laughs> He's always got another move. All right, I'll leave you alone from that. And then I might have you say it out loud, but not to your labor or something like that. He's all powerful, church, and he's, he's full of wisdom. And when we go through dark seasons, we're just going to trust that he knows, he knows what he's doing. He knows what's... He, he, he knows how to get me out of this. He, he can direct my ways. And another thing about this resilient Jesus that I want you to know, because Jesus on that Friday, he, he felt like this one time. He's like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in the middle of, of, we feel the same way at times when we go through Fridays, when we go through the dark season of the soul. But I just want to tell you this. This is, this is the reality of Jesus. He's closer than you think he is. He's closer than you think he is. Hebrews says it like this, and God said, I'll never fail you, and I will never abandon you. Wow, that gives me hope. I'm like, my God is always with me. Even when I don't feel him, even when I can't see him, my God is right there. My God is right with me. He's just as close with me right now on Friday as he is when I feel it's a Sunday morning experience. He's with me right now. He's always there. Our God is so faithful. You know, on Sunday morning, Jesus was sitting outside the tomb. He had been resurrected. He's hanging out on that big old stone. Some ladies come to show their respect, and they don't recognize Jesus. They think they're talking to the gardener. How many of you know you're all messed up if you can't even see who he is face to face? And they're having a conversation like, what? Where'd they put him? Where's, where's his body? And he's having a conversation. They could hear Jesus himself, but they couldn't see him. I just need you to know something. There's times in our lives when we go through some stuff, and you can't see him, but you can always hear him. Just lean in. He's always closer than you think. Now, don't just take my word for it, and don't just take what I'm saying. I want you to listen to a couple people's stories today. Three people's stories in our church, a short video that we've put together for you that went through dark seasons of the soul, who went through Fridays, who went through where, man, they went through all kinds of stuff, man, and they learned to be resilient. They learned to bounce back from whatever life had pushed against them. Listen to these stories. My parents ended up getting divorced, and after that, um, 
I am being homeless and moving to a Christian aid center here. So I was about five when us, my stepdad came into our lives and that's where the chaos began. That life led to the foster care system being abandoned. What I felt like I was abandoned by my mom. My parents divorced when I was three and they agreed on split custody which meant I spent equal time at both houses going back and forth. There were times where it felt like I was literally at church one weekend and the bar the next weekend, and, and this created a lot of confusion and resentment in me. My mom ended up marrying this guy that was in Boise. Um, we started living with him, and after a while he got abusive and started hurting my mother and just a lot of stuff went down, and um, my mom got diagnosed with cancer. And after that happened, I started hanging around drugs and alcohol and just not a very good environment. And this started changing me. It started changing me as a person. And I started wanting to be away from the house as much as possible. I didn't want to be there because my mom was in the hospital. My dad was just working overtime after overtime. And then I was broken inside. So I searched out unhealthy relationships just to kind of fill this emptiness that I had, this feeling of not being enough. It led to two failed relationships. I have three beautiful children as a result of it. Um, and in 2003, I met an amazing man who I'm still married to. I struggled a lot with anxiety and depression. Um, I tended to isolate myself and there were just these overwhelming feelings of being totally alone. Like I couldn't connect with anyone. Um, and there were times where I felt like I was actually going insane. Um, and I turned to, to drugs and partying because um, I found this strange sense of connectedness with people in these experiences, um, not realizing how surface and false they were, um, and also not even realizing how the drugs actually amplified my struggles. I had never addressed what was wrong inside of me. And so in 2011, something very personal happened to me that shook me to my core. I was devastated and I, I just didn't want to do it anymore. And that's how I found my way to Life Church, is because I was tired of doing it on my own. I um, ended up going to Wahai, and on the first day of school, I was just walking into the gym and someone came up to me and ripped a paper out of my hand and started sharing um, all these cool things with me and that guy was Isaac and he just talked to me about um, how cool I am and so much that I can do in life and um, going into Wednesday he invited me to G3 which is now LYC and um, I made the decision the first night to go I showed up to pre-service prayer and on the first day during worship I raised my hands and realized that there was a joy that was hiding inside me and that joy immediately let out and I realized the calling that God had on my life and the difference that I can make in this world. Um, and after two and a half years of pretty much every day um, trying to avoid these struggles with drugs, um, I realized that these weren't going to be my savior. I realized I needed a savior because I couldn't do it myself. It seems no matter how I feel, um, knowing that God is there taking care of me and clinging to that, um, I found more purpose and healing. Um, than I would in anything else. And the amount of fulfillment in life that I find pursuing God 
I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's the best. <laughs> the moment I walked in, I just, I couldn't explain how I felt. I felt like the world was gonna be okay. And the more I realized that I'm valuable and that my story has, has value because of, not because of what anything I did, but because of who God is and what he's done. He's redeemed me as a mom, he's redeemed me as a wife, he's redeemed me as a friend, and he's planted a new joy inside of me. Now give, give it up for Jesus, right? He changes. He changes things. You know, I was thinking about what bounces back, and I have this racquetball, and I thought, you know, this, this is designed to bounce back. It's pretty resilient. But I thought, what does it take in order for this thing to bounce back? Well, I tried it on a pillow, which is what every one of us want to fall into. Something super soft life. Life easy. And it didn't bounce back. I tried it on a soft chair. It didn't bounce back. And I realized something that how high this goes is directly in proportion to how hard it got pushed back. And it needed a hard surface in order for it to bounce back. And you would think that the devil would have learned from Jesus' resurrection to not push so hard against some of you Christ followers because you're going to go way higher because of how much the devil messed with you. As you heard about LJ's story, struggle with anxiety and depression, but God. Failed relationships with Christina, but God. Broken family with Chris and drugs and alcohol, but God. You were designed to learn from the Lord how you can bounce back from difficult situations. So how do I do that? I want you to remember something today. I want you desperately to remember this. Lamentation says this in chapter three. Lamentation says, I still dare to hope. Man, I was tempted to tell your neighbor, but I promised you not, I wouldn't do it. I still dare to hope when I remember, say remember. I dare to hope when I remember. This is what I want you to do. Remember these three things. Listen, remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. When you're going through something, remind yourself, God is passionately in love with me. Whatever I'm going through is not defining how much God loves me. Whether I'm on the mountaintop or I'm in the valley, God loves me. Whether I'm Friday afternoon or Sunday morning or in between, God loves me. Whether I'm heading into a Friday, I'm in the middle of Friday, or I'm out of Friday, God loves me. Now listen, some of you, you've never heard that. Some of you are like, I've been one mess up after another. I, I'm here to tell you God loves you. 
right now in your messed up self, just like me when I was a messed up self and my messed up family, God loved me then as much as he loves me now. Nothing has ever changed. His faithful love never fails. His faithful love is always existent. He loves me no matter what is going on in my life. He, things are not happening to me or to you because he doesn't love me. He passionately loves me. I remind myself that. I dare to still hope when I remember. God passionately loves me. Remember that in the middle of Friday. Remember, God loves me. And remember this, God has a plan for my life. God has a plan for my life. Like he's going to take this. What now? What now, God? God, you have a plan. Yeah, I didn't turn out exactly like I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to graduate. Summa cum laude. I barely graduated. Praise the Lord. You know, it's like, I didn't know how this is going to work out. didn't turn out like I wanted to. I'm just going to remember, God, you got a plan. Finances didn't come through. The business didn't turn out. Relationship didn't go the way I wanted to. God, you have a plan. I just remember, God has a plan for me. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. And I just remember this. I remember, God, you're going to pull me out of this. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know, well, I don't know what you're going to do. I know you're full of wisdom, though. You're going to pull me at 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 18 says it like this. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and he'll bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. So what's it going to be, God? You're going to deliver me from every evil attack or are you going to bring me safely into your heavenly kingdom? Like, is it my time to go home? Well, all that matters is is this. Whichever way God delivers us, it's a win-win for a Christ follower. It's just a win-win, baby. It's all good. But he's going to bring you out of this. This is not your end. This is not the end of your story any more than it was Jesus' end on Friday. But it all hinges on this. Will I believe who Jesus said he was? I'm here to tell you there's nobody I would rather believe in than somebody who said they would raise from the dead and they did it. It's one thing to give your life. It's another thing to give your life and come back and prove he was who he said he was. And so very simply, I just, I just say, God, okay, I've messed up. I'm a sinner, but obviously you're the Savior. I would love for you to forgive me, and I would love to have a relationship with you. I'm here to tell you that is available for every person in the sound of my voice right now. He is knocking on the door. The Bible says, door of our heart. He knocks. He's standing literally in front of every single person in this room. He's just saying, hey, will you let me in? Will you let me in? I'll walk with you from Friday through Sunday. I'll walk with you. I'll, just like I did Chris and his broken family. Just like I did Christina in her broken relationships. Just like I did with LJ and his depression and anxiety and drugs and alcohol and partying. I, just like, I walk, just like he, when I knocked on his door and her door, they said, come on in. In all your messed up self, you don't have time to clean yourself up. Jesus doesn't want you to do that. He's like, just let me in. Just let me in. I did all of this for you. I died on the cross for you. I raised from the dead for you. All of this that we celebrate was for you. It was for me. It was for everybody in the room. Why would I pass up such an amazing invitation? An invitation for eternal life. 
nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say yes. Many of you right now, you're here and you're saying, Bob, I'm not sure if I've ever done that or I'm pretty sure I don't have a relationship with him. I'm here to tell you, you can start right now by just saying this simple prayer with me. Right where you're seated, you can just mumble it with me or you can just agree in your heart. It really doesn't matter. All that matters is this. You're just saying, yes. Jesus, yes, I'm yours. And I'm telling you, he goes from knocking on the door of your heart to taking residence inside your heart. In that moment of faith, bam, there he is. I want to pray with you. Will you bow your heads, close your eyes with me just for a moment here? If that's you, agree with it or just softly say it right there in your seat. Just say yes to Jesus. Jesus, I come on behalf of my friends. I admit to you, I'm messed up. Forgive me of all my sins. Instead of you just knocking on the door of my heart, I invite you in. I invite you to come in and become my Lord and become my Savior. Here I am. I accept you now in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted amen. amen. Will you give God praise for his gospel, for his goodness?